Good morning, everybody. Morning. Before we get going, I want you to know this. Um, it is such a gift to hear you worship. Uh, I mean that sincerely. Uh, just to hear you worship has been such a gift for me. This morning, last night, when you guys lift your voices and sing, it is, and I just can't even begin to imagine what it means to the Lord uh, to hear you worship him and sing. And I hope it's just more than words. I hope it's something that's happening in your heart. Um, so if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4. Last night, we talked about Paul saying his testimony. He wanted to, I, I've got something to say. I've got a testimony to tell. And that testimony is about Jesus. That he is the way, the truth, and the life that no man comes to the Father except through him, which is what we said, like your truth, which is this whole new movement that's not a new movement. It's actually a very old sinful movement that starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. Your truth dies with you, but God's truth continues on generation after generation. And as you receive God's truth, God's truth can live in and through you, transforming you, which means it's going to transform other people as well. Paul continues on in chapter four, starting in verse 18 through 19, uh, to help us understand what is the problem as, re as it relates to this Gentile way of thinking, this futile way of thinking, what is going on? So what, why don't you do this? Why don't you get your Bibles and read Ephesians 4, 18 through 19. Take a few minutes. If you need a Bible, they told me they've got a bunch more. So you just raise your hand. They'll get you a Bible. Uh, they'll bring one over to you. But Ephesians 4, 18 and 19, take a little time and read that on your own. Ephesians 4, 18 and 19. Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 says this, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of of impurity. This is the word of God and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful once again to be here learning. You just love the posture of a learner. You talk often about a child, to have a childlike faith, a faith that just says, feed me, take care of me, nourish me. And we know this morning you want to do that. 
You're loving and kind and you're near to those that are seeking, seeking you, desperately trying to find truth, your truth, for your glory. So I pray this morning that you would speak through your word. I pray that you would speak through your servant. I would pray that you would speak to these kids, to these leaders, that they would sense your presence, beckoning them back to your heart, to your truth, for your glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said amen. amen. So I got married. I went to Moody Bible Institute in downtown Chicago. Uh, I got married when I was 21 years old. I got married my junior year of college. And so uh, I was in a band and uh, I was going to make it big. And we had recorded an album and we were kind of touring around and doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, I needed to record a second album. So I had gotten married and I, ne- I was in the midst of, I got married and then I needed to record my second album, our band's second album. And so I, re- I remember I was in the studio getting some work done and getting some uh, 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 of the studio work done. And my wife uh, was at the bottom of the building because we didn't really have cell phones back then. That's right. Uh, that's a real thing. So um, she had, there was like a phone and then she called up to the studio and she's like, hey, I'm downstairs to pick you up and I just said look just give me like five minutes I got to wrap some stuff up and then I'll be down and you can take us take us home because we only had one car and so I uh I was like kind of you know busy and I looked down I'm like oh my gosh it had been like three hours later like three hours had gone by and I'm like for sure she's not down there so I went down she's not there I'm like oh shoot she's gonna be so angry and so she just took off like she's not one to like call and be like hey are you coming down she's like no obviously it didn't matter so I had to take the L train which is like this this like train all the way back to my apartment which was like an hour away and I'm like oh man she's gonna be so upset I'll just go in and I'll apologize to her I'm like I'm so sorry I made a horrible mistake I'm so sorry so I I come in the house I like lay in bed and I'm like look babe I am so sorry that was I mean it was just caught up and I was caught up in the thing and you know please forgive me I'm so sorry and she rolled over to me and she said today was my birthday (laughs) my first year in marriage and I forgot my wife's birthday because I was in a band, right? I had to do the music. I had all this stuff I had to get after. Like it was so important. And I will never live that down. I forgot my wife's birthday on the very first year of our marriage. That's horrible. But isn't it interesting because only a year prior, I was standing before the priest, before God, all of our friends going, my life you get it. She, I commit my life to you, right? In sickness and in health, right? Till death do us part, unless it has a band and I got to record an album and things like that. And isn't it interesting how distracted we get? How distracted in life we get. God lays out for us this life and life to the full, this truth that can transcend all of your lives. And yet something is preventing us from really seeing him and living into this covenant life with him. And it's sin. Here's the thing that I want to teach you about sin. Sin is fun. Sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, no one would do it, right? If sin wasn't fun, it'd be so much easier, right? To just be like, oh, I'm just not going to do that thing. But sin is fun. 
And sin allows you and distracts you from God, what is what God of what God is calling you to. So sin is fun and so it's easily distracting us. Sin is distracting. It's pulling us away from what God says and what God wants, what's best for us because there's this other thing. And to be honest, it's very shiny. And so we continue to run after that. But what we don't realize, and this one's really, really important, is sin is killing us. It's killing us. From the very beginning of time, back to the Garden of Eden, sin was to pull us out of relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God Almighty who created heaven and earth and completely center it into ourselves and our desires. And Satan, this is what he's been doing from the beginning of time. He's been distracting us. And what Paul is desperately saying, desperately saying to this church and to you and to me is don't go down that road. Do not be deceived. Do not live in the futility of your minds and your reality because it is very distracting. And yes, sin is very fun, but it is killing us and it is killing you and you cannot live that way. He says they are darkened. They're darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God. Think about that. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What he says is this, is they've been darkened in their understanding. He starts here with this idea that there's truth and God is truth, but they have become darkened. We have become darkened in our understanding. When I was 12 years old, my mom sat me down on a picnic table. Now, I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. I always say I came out of the womb singing Amazing Grace, just popped out, started memorizing verses and singing Amazing Grace. Like that's like, we went to church all the time. We're always doing the, you know, I was in youth group. My mom was a worship leader. My dad was an elder. Like we were all about it. And at 12 years old, my mom sat me on a picnic table and she told me, I'm leaving your father for another man who happened to be one of our close family friends. I remember being so confused by that. That's wrong. How, how can you do that? She tells this story about how she's driving away from our house, our house, my home, my mom, driving to this other man's house to continue an affair. And she said she, she pulled over to the side of the road and at, on the side of the road, there was a billboard and said, how's your family? Like that's what the billboard said. She looked up, she saw it and she said, I knew God was trying to get my attention, but I had become, are you ready? Darkened in my understanding. And I got back in the car 
and I drove to that man's house and I rejected the covenant I had made with your father and to this family. Some of you, that's a real story for you. You know what that feels like to see that sin display because maybe in your home that fracturing has happened. In fact, statistically, we know that's about 50%. It's heavy and hard and my, my mom keeps going like, I, it was like I was in a dream world. She had so abandoned herself to this desire that she wanted more than God, more than truth, more than me, more than my sisters, more than my father. She wanted this thing and she was willing to reject and hurt. That's what sin does. It darkens our understanding. We're not thinking clearly. Romans 1, so Paul's saying this to the Romans church, to the church in Rome. He's saying, for although they knew God, okay, he's talking about this reality. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they became, you ready? Here's that word again, futile in their thinking and fool and, and, and their foolish hearts were, here you go, darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, this is, I think, one of the more terrifying verses in the Bible. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. I find this so true in my own life. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the one I love, prone to run after the things of this world that I believe are going to satisfy me. They don't, they just keep you wanting more. I know I keep dishing on your social media platforms, but I'm gonna do it again because they're only pitching you the things that you need to keep running after over and over and over and over and over, never to satisfy you, never, never. When you hit that like, it just keeps recalculating to feed you stuff that will never fill you up because it just wants to crush you. It wants your attention. It wants to distract you so that it can make more money. It's trying to kill you and you are more than willing to allow yourself to be damaged, taken advantage of, to run after that thing that you will never possess. This is exactly what Paul is saying that we've given ourselves up, abandoned ourselves. Instead of following after God, you are life, you are my truth, you are my hope, you are my identity, my desire. I run after these things that only steal from me, only take from me, and here's the terrifying thing. It says here that, that God goes, if you want that, you ready? You can have it. He releases you, listen, to your sin. If you want that, more than God, guess what? He says, okay. See, we have this idea that God is like some CIA operative that comes and kicks down the door. I'm coming in, I'm taking you. No, 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 no. It says in Revelation, he stands at the door and he knocks. He knocks. He knocks. You want sin? 
You want to run down that life? You want to go after that thing instead of God? God's like, make your choice. Choose, Joshua says, today who you will serve. Who do you want to serve? You don't get to serve both. What sin is trying to do is go, just serve me. And God says, if you want that, you can have that. That's what happens in the darkening of your mind. And then Paul continues on. What happens if you run down that road, and so many of you are doing this right now. You're running down that road. You're compromising. You're playing a game. It's easy to do. At church, I'm all churchy. At school, I'm all schooly. I just become whatever my environment commands me to be. And your minds get darkened. And then here's the terrifying thing that happens. Your hearts, according to Paul, get calloused, hardened. That darkening just keeps driving you deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, where sin just feels right. And you can justify it. No, if I, if I don't get on this, this thing or I don't post this thing, then I won't be accepted or I won't be able to talk to my friends or I'll be irrelevant, whatever. That's all, that's that slippery slope into callousness, into hardening of heart. Well, all my friends are doing it. And I want to make sure, like, I don't want to be the only, I want to be like some religious person and do all these religious-y things. So I'm just going to keep running down that road. I'm just going to click on that image. I'm going to post stuff that isn't really proper. But I I have to, right? You start to get a callousness in your heart. I'm just going to hang out with this social group. I know they don't do the things that I'm supposed to do. But I just so desperately desire to, to belong that I'll compromise, so there's a callousness. And all of a sudden, you're in that group or crew and you start doing things you never thought you would do and then it becomes normal. This is what Paul's talking about. My mom left and continued to have an affair with this man and then one day, I showed up to my house and without my mom letting me know, she had taken all of her stuff I came home from school. This mom who would meet me down at the bus stop, and I'm not even kidding, with chocolate chip cookies, like super mom, now leaves, clears out her, her, her closet. I lived in Ohio, and she cleared out her closet, and she moved to North Carolina with this man she was having an affair with. Left her kids, three of us. She birthed us. She nurtured and cared for us, and now she leaves my home? How? As my mom recalls, and she said, I didn't, I, I didn't even know who I'd become. Calloused, hardening of heart. This is what sin does. It's robbing you. It's robbing me. It's destroy, destroying and fracturing all things, and we think we can dip our toes and play around, you, you can't, it's killing you. She just left. That's the idea of hardening and callousing. There's this sense of all power, all sensation, all rules are just out the door. You can just do whatever you want or, and you don't even know it because you've so allowed sin 
the, the lies that it's been telling you to overcome your life. Some of you, the way you talk to your parents is so sinful and yet you believe you're somehow vindicated, validated to be able to talk to the people who are caring for you most, who sacrifice for you most, that you can disrespect them to the point that it becomes normal callousness of heart. Sin is just going to keep doing that. Some of you have had literally 40 best friends. How is that possible? Some of you junior high girls, oh my gosh, you roll through best friends. Like I've never seen anything like it. I used, Brittany used to be my best friend, but you don't understand. She wore the same bow tie as me. And so all done, you know, she wants, and she's, she knew that I thought about this guy one time. And so I hate her now. She's dead to me, Brittany, right? And all of a sudden, now it's not Brittany, it's, it, it's Renee. And it's like, you just go through, that's what sin does. It's just division, 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 division. It's all about me, 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 me. That's a callousness of heart. When it's only about you, it's only about you. That's what sin wants you to do. Sin wants to convince you it's only about you. Only about what you want, when you want it, how you want it. So much to the point where you're, you can't even feel anymore. You feel numb. I meet so many students who feel, listen, numb to feelings. My mom was numb numb to the point, callous to the point that she abandoned us, moved to a completely different state, blind. This is what sin is doing. I remember Suresh, who he's the president of Harvest India, an organization I've worked with for over a decade. India is like a home away from home. I, I love India. I've been there a whole bunch. And during COVID, we were on a call. And I don't know if you know anything about what happened globally in COVID, especially in India. But m so many people died. So many people died. 800 people an hour were dying in India during COVID. 800. And we're on this call with this man who has given his life to care for this country. And he's just weeping. He's this Indian leader weeping on this call and here's what he said. God is coming up against my country because they have released themselves to sin. Sin is devastating my country. Devastating, because that's what sin does. So what's the byproduct of a calloused heart? The byproduct of a darkened mind and a calloused heart is sensuality. And the idea behind sensuality is it's no, it no longer feels wrong. Everything's, I get to do whatever I want, whatever I feel like doing. It doesn't even feel weird anymore to sin. Sin actually becomes something so natural. That is why Paul is saying, look at the different things, right? He's, they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is the progression, darkening of mind, calloused of heart, and now full on release into sin devastation in my heart and my soul to where I don't even feel it anymore. Ephesians says it like this, and you were dead, ready? 
dead. Dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, following Satan, literally, actively following Satan, the spirit that is work and the sons of disobedience among whom we all lived with the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body, the mind. We're, we were by nature children of wrath like, like the rest of mankind. You have been pitched a lie that whatever you think you should, you are. This is what this is talking about. Because you think you believe you are, instead of going, no, you are a fully formed human being by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is to be worshiped and acknowledged, but because we've released our minds to the ways of this world, there is death, destruction, that's the full release of sin. Is that we just divide all over the place, divide friendships, divide family, divide ourselves. We give ourselves over to the desires of our heart. And here's what I wanna give you this morning is I wanna give you really, really bad news. And the bad news is this, sin is bad. I've just spent 20 minutes telling you sin is bad. And here's what you need to know. You are sinful. I am sinful. And you can't earn your way to heaven. There is no scale of if I do a bunch of good, it outweighs the bad that doesn't exist. If that did, that means God's like some kind of mafia leader who's like a shyster who can be manipulated by our good deeds. He's holy, 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 high above us. He cannot be manipulated. He will not be manipulated and you don't want him to be, which means we're in a tough spot because you can't earn your way to heaven. And we are sinful, the scriptures tell us. And he has released us to the desires of our heart. I mean, have you thought about this? That Noah, billions of people die, millions of people die. In the story of, in the, story of the flood, creation itself gets destroyed, why? Why? Sin. Every time you look at the rainbow, that is a promise, but it is also a reminder that sin killed people, creation. It killed that. So sin is not just some like, well, I mean, it's like sometimes I do stuff and I shouldn't, I'm so sorry, right? No, no, no. It's devastating. Here's what I found in myself. I found this, that I don't like Good Friday. You know, I've been a pastor my, for 25 years. I've been a Christian my whole life and I can never quite figure out why I didn't like Good Friday. I was just trying to run, 
Run to Resurrection Sunday. Like, get me to the good news. And the reason why I didn't like Good Friday is because I didn't want to see how bad sin was. And that there is Jesus hanging on the cross and he is dying because of sin. I don't want to deal with that. Get me through the bad news. Get me to the good news. And what you need to know is it's bad news. Sin is bad news and we are all sinners. And we need to be awakened to that, that it is causing hurt and pain and destruction in your own life, but into the lives all the way around you. And we need to get our chins up. And I know, listen, I know, I know. I know we haven't done a good job teaching you about sin. I know. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we haven't talked to you about this enough. That we haven't been strong enough and talked to you about this. I really am sorry. That we've just tried to, tried to soften it up for you. Because it's not a thing that gets a bunch of kids to show up to youth group talking about sin. And I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you about bad news. That we are all sinful. And that's a problem, and you can't earn your way to heaven, and that's a problem. You know, in 2019, November 2019, I, you know, I've been meeting with my counselor. I told you about that yesterday. I'm meeting with my counselor. My counselor said, how are you caring for yourself? And I said, ah, just, I don't know. I don't even know what that means, right? And he's like, well, when's the last time you went to the doctor? And I was like, well, I don't know, 10 years. Like, I haven't been to the doctor in 10 years. I'm, I'm 40, I mean, at that time. I'm 40 years old. Like, you know, you need to be going to the doctor. But, you know, I usually, it's not that I don't like the doctor. I just, I only go to the doctor when stuff falls off, right? That's typically what happens, right? And so, I, you know, I, I, he's like, well, why don't you start with going to the doctor? So I go to the doctor. They put all this EKG stuff. They, you know, do all the tests and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, right? And so the doctor says, we'll give you a call. We'll do some blood work. We'll give you a call if anything's wrong. So she calls me back a few days later after I had given the blood work. And she said, hey, could you come in? Which is sign for bad news. So I come in and she sits me down and she goes, so we found some stuff in your blood and we think it could be cancer. Okay. When my son was eight, he was diagnosed with leukemia. So we had done the cancer dance. So it was less shocking in some ways. And so she's like, I'm going to refer you to an oncologist. So she refers me to an oncologist. I go to, to the blood doctor and uh, I sit with the blood doctor. My wife and I are sitting in the room and he kind of pulls up his charts. He's looking and he goes, well, you, you have cancer. Okay. And he says, but I got a question before we move on. He said, how long have you been anxious? And I'm like, not a day in my life. Seriously. Like, I'm the guy that's like, I wake up most mornings, even this morning, I woke up freezing cold, happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. So happy. I'm a morning person. How many of you are morning people, right? How many of you are optimists, right? Every day you wake up, it's like, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome day. I got air in my lungs, right? Lollipops and dandelions and butterflies and birds everywhere. It's going to be an amazing, like literally, I really do kind of live my life that way. So I was very confused by this question. I looked at him and I said, 
I don't, I don't think I ever remember a time ever being anxious, not once. And he said, well, it's interesting. He said, this particular cancer is caused by high levels of anxiety over a long period of time. And he's, here's what he said. You've been anxious for a very, very long time. Your body just gave up. There was something inside of me that I have been avoiding. Deep wounds from my childhood, a surviving that I wasn't even aware of and it was killing me. I convinced myself I'm fine. I convinced myself that, no, it's okay. As long as you can just keep plowing forward, I'll figure it out. I become calloused in my heart to the reality in my life. And here's the thing. It was killing me. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. Death. Sin leads to death. Hear me very clearly. Sin leads to death. And sin demands a death in order for there to be life. The wages of sin is death. And I need you to sit with that bad news. I need you and I'm hoping that you would go, oh my gosh. I believe the, the spirit of God is speaking to some of you right now. There's a sinfulness that is now coming to mind right now in each and every one of you, I hope. A weightiness in your heart. Sin always leads to death. And sin demands a death in order for there to be life. And I'll leave you with this. This passage and the Ephesians passage give us really bad news. But there's a conjunction, and this conjunction's really important. Does anybody know what the word is? But. But. For the wages of sin is death, but. Right after in verse three in Ephesians one, one through three, among all whom all you lived the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and mind by natures were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Right after there, there's but. And that but is a, is a statement of hope. That means something else. It's not just going to be this way. There's something on the other side of that. Hope is coming. Hope is on the way. But we have to deal with the first part. The wages of sin is death. But hope is on the way. As you sit in your cabin time, wear the weight of this morning. Wear the weight of what the scriptures is saying about sin. Here's the thing. Wear the weight of how you've been darkened in your mind, how you've been calloused in your heart, and maybe for some of you, how you've moved past that to where sin, it doesn't even affect you anymore. You just do it blindly. Wear that today. Wear it. But 
Hope is on the way. Father God, I see all throughout your scriptures how sin grieves your heart. I see you, Jesus, standing on a hill over Jerusalem, weeping, weeping, weeping. Because you saw us like sheep without a shepherd. You saw us that we rejected you. And you're weeping. It broke your heart. The depravity, the sin, the destruction. Jesus, you, it broke your heart when you saw the people and they were like sheep without a shepherd and no one was caring for them. No one was speaking truth. This morning we preach your truth. We preach the bad news this morning. The heaviness. Father, would you allow these students through your spirit, would you awaken them? For those who do not have your spirit, would you allow the community of believers to come around them? Lord, your spirit awakens the heart. It awakens the blind man. It awakens the, the sinful heart. Would you awaken the sinful heart today? You are the one who draws men to, to you and your heart. And so I release you, your spirit, You don't need my permission, but I release you, Spirit of the living God, to do your work amongst your people today. We love you, and we're grateful that you're teaching us even about the difficult things. May you are high in worship, high and lifted up. You are truth, you are love, you are mercy, you are grace, and we look to you for the hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.